Welcome to Dolphin and Whale Tales, Wisdom from the Deep, the podcast that brings you wisdom, guidance, and healing energy direct from the dolphins and whales themselves. Now, here's your host, whale and dolphin wisdom expert, Anne Gordon. Hi, and welcome back to Dolphin and Whale Tales, Wisdom from the Deep. I'm your host, Ann Gordon, and I'm looking forward today to sharing with you a very special species of dolphin called the rough-toothed dolphins. So I first came into contact with the rough-toothed dolphins. I knew about them, but I had never seen them because they're usually deep water, open water dolphins. You rarely see them near the coastline. And so I had not ever seen them. They're usually, and all in Panama where I traveled on the water was generally in the Pearl Islands and between Panama City and the Pearl Islands, where it is actually quite shallow relatively. It's never more than a hundred, 150 feet deep the entire way, which is exactly what the humpback whales love. And the bottlenose and the pantropical spotted dolphins were, it was, that's what they liked. But the rough-toothed dolphins like much deeper water. And so even though I knew they were found in Panama, I had never seen them. So in April of 2016, when I was living there, we actually had the first recorded mass stranding of dolphins there in Panama. And there were 50 to 60 rough-toothed dolphins that were found on a remote beach one morning. And that beach is at the very southernmost tip of Panama. And it is actually, it drops off really deep, not like a thousand yards, a thousand meters off the coast. It just drops super deep. So that made sense that that's where rough toothed dolphins would be. And it's also where sometimes sperm whales are sighted because of course, they're very deep feeders feeding on the giant squid. The country of Panama is a small country. There's a total of like almost 4 million people in the entire country. So everybody kind of knows everybody. And the Ministry of the Environment called me in to assist them with this project. And they always did. I knew the man who was in charge of cetaceans, dolphins and whales, and anything to do with them with the Ministry of the Environment. So he would always call me in to help identify the species they were dealing with because they did not specialize. His division was more about fisheries than they were about dolphins and whales. So he would always call me in. And in fact, the country is so small that I've been to lunch at a restaurant when somebody says, oh, look, there's so-and-so, the ex-president sitting down there. And I've bumped into like a couple of times presidential candidates. And in the last presidential election, when I was there, they have three main parties. And I actually knew cousins to all three of the candidates. So like I said, it's not that big of a country. So me being called in by the government is not such a big deal. But it was cool that they relied on me. So uh, the, the other thing about it, even though the Ministry of the Environment is a government agency, they didn't have a van to use that day. So I did. I had a van that we used for my tours. And it just so happened that that day 
when they called me, it wasn't being used on a tour and I was free as well. So I immediately jumped in my van, uh, filled it full of gas and drove over to pick up my friend who worked for the Ministry of the, the Environment. And then uh, two of his officials that worked in his office. And then we stopped by the University of Panama and picked up seven vet students so and all the equipment they needed to help out these dolphins. And then we headed out to the site and it was going to be, it's a six hour drive out to the site. It's quite remote, not even good cell service up there. So by the time we got there, thankfully, all the locals in that little fishing village area just jumped into action and they carried all of the live dolphins back to the water and they had gathered again as a pod and swum back out to sea. So that is wonderful. Unfortunately, 10 of the dolphins didn't make it and had died during the stranding including one large male who, when we got there, was clearly in a much more advanced state of death than the others. And very sadly, one very young baby who still had fetal fold marks, which made it less than one week old. So that was very, very sad. If you don't know what fetal folds are, they are uh, marks on the body of a brand new baby dolphin or whale So if you think about it, when the babies are in the womb, just like human babies, they're all curled up in the fetal position, right? And they can't be stretched out end to end because there's just not room in the, the mother's womb for that. So all babies are curled up in this little fetal position. Now, dolphins and whales are meant to always be straight in their bodies and, and, you know, in a, in a line, not curled up. And they rarely curl up in their world when they are out swimming in the ocean. So when they are, and they have this very taut, smooth skin. So when they are in the womb and curled up in this fetal position, what happens, just like when you bend over, you get wrinkles and folds in your body. Well, when they are in the womb for 10 to 12 months, depending on the species, they get these fold marks that from being in that position for that many months. And so when they're born and they straighten their bodies out for the first time, those marks stay for up to a week. And so when you see a baby with those marks, those fetal fold marks, you know that it is less than one week old. So it's kind of fun and very exciting when you see a baby with those little fetal fold marks. So anyway, unfortunately, this little little baby did still have the fetal folds on it. Now, interestingly enough, none of these animals had died from any obvious outward or visible signs of disease uh, when the vet students were doing the necropsies. And necropsies are basically autopsies on animals. That's the technical term for it. And there, the other thing that in mass strandings, what we always look for is to see if there's any blood coming out of their ears. And it doesn't have to be a lot. And of course, their ears are very hard to find. They're just a tiny little opening just behind, like almost a pinprick size opening behind their eye. But you can see blood flowing when you get animals that have been blasted by those low frequency sonar blasts that you hear about from the military, especially like the US military likes to do these low frequency sonar testing blasts that really 
there's no reason for them on earth, in my opinion. And other militaries, not just the US, do it around the world. And it can be very, very damaging. And it blows out the eardrums of dolphins and whales. And so they can't navigate because when you can't hear, you can't echolocate and you can't navigate. And so many times in mass strandings, that is the reason. But the good news is Panama doesn't have any military. There's no army. There's no navy. They're, they don't feel the need for a military. They really don't need it at all. There's nothing to worry about. They do have a Coast Guard, but that actually comes under the police. So, and that's, that's about catching drug trafficking more than anything else. So that wasn't a problem. The only interesting finding was that none of them had any food in their stomachs, except for a few little squid beaks, which some of them had been feeding on squid, smaller squid and squid. The beaks of a squid are kind of like a parrot beak. They don't digest very well. However, dolphins process food quite rapidly, and this only shows that they hadn't eaten within the last 24 to 48 hours, which is not a big deal. And none of the animals appeared skinny or like any signs of starvation at all. In fact, they all look to be in very, very good health. My personal theory is that the one large male died first, and as he was dying, he came to shore and ha may have been having trouble swimming, and that the rest of the pod, because they do live in very tight, connect, tightly connected pods, refused to leave him. And because rough-toothed dolphins are a deep water species and rarely, if ever, come close to shore, they were caught off guard by the waves. And the fact that Panama actually has an 18 foot or 5.4 meter tide difference between low and high tide. It's a huge tide difference. So you can be easily caught off guard, whether you're walking on the beach or whether you're a deep water dolphin and you come close to shore and then all of a sudden the tide goes out and you're stuck on the beach, you're stranded. So if they were escorting and trying to keep and staying with this one male who might have been, you know, a lead dolphin or a very important animal to their pod, as every individual is in the pod, it made sense. So as I was driving up to the stranding site with this load of government officials and vet students, uh, we had just started our drive. We hadn't even left the city yet. I started to do some major energy work and because I was feeling frustrated that we were six hours away and it was going to take a while and I wanted to do something to help these animals out. We had seen some videos from the locals that had taken on their phones that had sent them to us of them with the dolphins on the beach and them carrying them out to the water. And so I, as I was driving, I was just sending healing energy and sending energy to support these dolphins in any way possible. And what was interesting is I had this whole vision come over me as I was driving. And normally when I'm, when I'm driving and when I've got a whole van load of people all speaking Spanish. Now I do speak Spanish very well, but I am far from perfect. And so I have to think about sometimes translating and understanding, especially if it's somebody I don't know very well. With my ex-husband and his family, it was very easy. I understood them right away because I talked to them all the time. But new people, sometimes I had to really listen. So usually when I'm like 
concentrating on driving and concentrating on on conversing with these people, it's kind of, it's not idyllic for having a vision and having the situation, but this vision just came over me. And I saw myself as this, as an energetic human body that was quite large. It was like, I was almost like this giant, right? And I, as I'm talking about it, I can still see it. It comes right back into my mind. And I, I was like kneeling in the water and I made this large circle with my arm, you know, like how you hold your arms out into like this giant air hug kind of thing, like this big circle with your arms. And I had all the live dolphins cuddled in my arms. And from my fingers were these energetic strands that went out to each individual dolphin to help it relax, to rejuvenate it, to calm down and relieve the stress and the fear that the dolphins were feeling. Now, I want to comment about what some of the videos that we were getting from people on site was that they were, they, and they didn't know any better. So they were really well-meaning and they were dragging the dolphins out and carrying them out and just throwing them in the water and then running back to get the next one. But what was happening is the dolphins were really disoriented. Now, imagine if you had never, ever, ever been on land before and you were stranded on shore and you were there for an hour or more in the hot sun and you'd always been in the water, you'd always been supported by the ocean and all of a sudden you're on land and your balance was off and you weren't feeling supported and the sun was hitting you. It could be really discombobulating. And so what was happening is these people were throwing the dolphins back out into the water and then just were running away. And the dolphins were actually having trouble riding themselves. They were falling over on their sides and having trouble getting right back up to the normal position to keep their blowholes above the water so they could breathe. And it was really disconcerting to see this video. It's like, can't you just stay there and hold them until they're comfortable? But the people didn't know that. And they were worried about getting all the rest of the dolphins back into the water. So I don't blame the humans at all. They didn't know any better. They were doing the best they could. And they ended up saving most of them. So that is awesome. But that's what was kind of fueling my my vision, right? So at first, I felt a lot of fear from the dolphins. And then I felt as I was sending them this energy and literally like holding and cuddling and, and hugging them all and sending these energetic strands of, of healing energy and calming energy through my fingers to each and every dolphin that I felt them calm down and then swim out to sea as a pod. And I found out later, once we got there, that exactly at the same time, at the same moment, when I was having this visualization, is the exact moment in time that the dolphins were being put back into the water and then they all swam out of the bay and into the deep water that they prefer. Now, yes, they had started putting them out, but they were feeling really discombobulated until 
I started doing my visualization and sending energy. Now, I'm not saying it's all my, I'm responsible for saving them. I'm not taking that on. I'm just reporting what exactly what I was reported back to me is that when we got there, they told me the exact time that the dolphins were all back in the water and that they all were able to gather together and swam out of the bay. It literally was the exact time that I was doing this visualization. So you infer whatever you want out of that, but it kind of blew me away. Because a lot of times when we do this energetic work, we have no idea of the effect of it. And especially when this was all kind of spontaneous vision that just happened and came over me. It's like, okay, I uh, amazing. I just find that amazing. And so this vision of me holding them all came completely spontaneously. I wasn't controlling it. I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to cuddle them. I need to hold them. I need to send energetic strands out of my fingers. That just happened all on its own. So that was really powerful and, and amazing to me. So after this experience, once I got back home, Obviously, I wanted to tune in to these rough-toothed dolphins and connect with them to those who survived. And what I'm about to share is what they shared with me, what communications they shared with me. So here's what they had to say. We have been waiting a long time to connect with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us. You are exactly what we needed. We are healthy and fine thanks to you. We miss our podmates, and you were right. We are all healthy. We were following the male elder dolphin who was dying of old age mainly. Many of us have known him since birth. We simply followed him when he went close to the shore to die. We were all completely focused on him and forgot about our own personal safety until it was too late. Our stranding was also a gift to you and the people of Panama, a gift of awareness and the need to take care of life in the oceans and the ocean itself. To you, our gift is an opening for you to be recognized for your knowledge and respect of us. This event will open many doors for you to speak and share your knowledge with important people of Panama. More important than your words will be your respectful way of being and lack of ego. Your example will show them a new way of thinking, thinking like we do, for the good of the pod, for the unity of the community. And I'm going to step out for a minute and just share with you that, yes, I did have more opportunities come up. I actually got invited into the office of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And he was, it was funny, I did, I figured it out really quickly. He invited me in to this meeting about my whale watching tours. And he actually was worried that I was this foreigner coming in, taking advantage of Panama and the dolphins and whales, and afraid that I was not being respectful. And when I got in there, I kind of had that feeling, although he didn't say anything. And I just, you know, I was just being me and I was talking about how important it was to be respectful and honor and responsible and sustainable. And you could just see his sigh of relief and he got all on board and he's like, what can we do to help you? How can we support you? 
So that was really, really fun. And I was also invited into the the International Whaling Commission. They actually gave me a booth in their little area. And I was able to literally hobnob with all the delegates. So that was really wonderful. So yes, I did have a lot of opportunities. And I also got a number of big spreads in the main newspaper of Panama about my whale watching tours. So yeah, I did get a lot of got a lot of publicity and press and respect from the government. So that was very cool. So let's continue on what the rough tooths have to say. And before I go back into it, I want to share that the naming of the whoever named these species, I, they're not very creative. Some of these names are just really kind of like rough tooths. Really? I know they have rough teeth. They have like these weird ridges on their teeth that no other species does. But really, who wants to be named a rough tooth? Or as in one of our previous episodes, the false killer whales, who wants to be named a false anything? And even gray whales. It's like, okay, come on. Yes, they're gray colored. Or the right whales. That's the worst one of all, because the right whales were named by the whalers because supposedly they were the right whales to kill because they actually floated when they were dead instead of sinking like most species. So really, that's the worst name in the world. Then there's the blue whales because they're kind of bluish colored. Now, I will say that the blue whales, if you have never seen a blue whale in person and just before it's about to break the surface, when it's about a foot or so under the surface, oh my gosh, the color that you see is this incredible, beautiful, almost glowing aqua blue, brilliant color And then they break the surface and then there's this very light gray color that's kind of blue, but it's more light gray. But that just before they break that surface, that color is amazing. So, okay, I'll give you that. But really, some of these names, come on, guys, you could have thought been a little more creative. (laughs) Anyway, back to what the rough tooths have to share with us. We rough tooths, not a great name for us are much more of a pod unit than other species. We rarely break up into subgroups like other types of dolphins. Our pods always stay together in large extended family and friends groups. We may mix with other pods, especially for mating, but almost never divide the pod unit. That is why we refuse to leave our dying elder. It also explains why we had no food in our tummies. We spent several days focused on him, ignoring all food sources nearby. We represent connection. We are so closely connected that if you look with your mind's eye, you will see an energetic line connecting each member of the pod with all the others. Just like you draw a line connecting the individual stars in a constellation in a picture of the night sky, As we move together as a pod, the lines shift, much like a kaleidoscope, into a constantly shifting mandala of our bodies and energy connection lines. When I get these impressions and these visions and these messages in my mind, man, I wish somebody would invent something like some kind of 
what's the word? Those things they stick on your body when they're monitoring your heart or something. Some of those things that these little probes or something, not that would go into my brain, but that could translate what I see in my mind's eye onto some kind of a screen, a TV or computer screen, so that you guys could see exactly what I could see. Because I'm not an artist. I'm not very good at drawing. And I see these amazing pictures. And I would love to see an artist's rendition of a mandala of the rough-toothed dolphins and their energetic connection lines that I could never draw out. But I so wish I could share with you what what they show me in my mind. But if there's any artists out there listening to this podcast and you want to give it a try, I would be so honored to see it. So feel free to send it to me at my email, anne at whalewisdomretreats with an S dot com. And let me sh- and share with me what you get as a mandala of the rough tooth dolphins and their energetic connection lines. Before I continue, I want to ask, do you notice a, a theme that we're doing here that they are guiding us on that we've had a number of podcasts that are all about connection. So, and this theme is continuing with the rough tooths today. They, what's interesting is that I don't, I'm not the one who decides what I'm going to talk about each, each week. They tell me, I tune in and say, what should we share this week? And even though a lot of this is information that came through a while back, they pop into my mind. And for this week, it was the rough tooth dolphins. So clearly connection is up for us all, especially nowadays with what the world is going through. And we've all been separated because of the pandemic and stay at home and lockdowns and all of that. But it's also, I think the pandemic has also helped us reconnect with our families, with those in our own household, which is what, when we're out working every day and being super busy, we lost that connection. And we've found new ways to connect online, on Zoom, you know, and through reaching out to people that we haven't in a long time and checking on each other, making sure. So connection is up for us right now. All right, so let's go back and see what the rough tooths have to share with us. When you used your light body to hold us and calm us down, remember you saw white light flowing from your fingers connecting to each of us. The stranding and time on the beach broke our natural pod connections. That is why we were panicked and having trouble staying upright. We did not know how to be or swim without being connected to each other through our energy lines. We are born connected, so we have never experienced disconnection before. When you sent your energy and connected to each of us, you reconnected and reactivated our natural interpod connections. That is why we calmed down and were able to head out to sea again. You saved us. The locals helped by getting us back in the water, but without your energy reconnection, we would have all restranded until we all died. Wow, that just is really amazing to me. The stranding was also important to break our connection to those who died too. 
This was a big lesson for us about humans. You humans live mostly disconnected from each other, even within your own families. We were shocked to learn this about you. It was extremely painful to us to feel your level of disconnection. It explains a lot to us about how it is so easy for you to damage the planet and fight among yourselves. We suggest that you envision a white light energetic line extending from you to all those around you, especially to those who you have problems with. By connecting your energy with them, it will help you to understand them and see the world from their eyes and open up a space for healing and easy resolution of conflicts. Sharing energy with a friend or loved one. Sit together facing each other but not touching. Both of you imagine extending a white line of energy from your solar plexus to them. Your energy will meet in the middle like a beautiful glowing starburst. That reminded me, remember that film Cocoon? It's one of my very favorite movies. I love that movie for many, many reasons. But in that scene, there's a a lovemaking scene between Steve Gutenberg's character and Tawny Welch's character. She was one of the aliens and they were both in the pool and he wanted to make love in the typical human way. And she said, no, 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 no. And they went to different sides of the pool and we're looking at each other. And then this ball of energy came out in the middle and then kind of blasted into, into Steve Gutenberg. And Matt, if you've seen that movie or if you haven't seen it, go get it. Cause it's a fun, go watch it. It's a very fun movie, but that is kind of what I imagined when they talked about. And it's such an amazing thing to do to sit with a friend or a loved one. And imagine this energy between the two of you blasting out together and merging. And then you could share it with each other or share it with the rest of the world. Very, very powerful process and image and experience. And they end with, we call ourselves the starburst dolphins, not rough toothed dolphins. We are much more than just dolphins with ridges on our teeth. I love that, the starburst dolphins, because that's all about that starburst of glowing energy, that connection. So super powerful. And it started out, I'm sorry that it started out a little sad with the stranding, but there was so much beauty in one that the dolph- most of the dolphins did survive and those who didn't, they shared with us this powerful message so that we can all learn from them and learn to be more connected in our own worlds. I hope you've enjoyed getting to know the rough tooth dolphins and feel free to open up and connect with them on your own. Invite them into your dreams, into your meditations, into your life. And you can imagine sending your energy to them sending out white light energy to them from your hands, from your heart, from your soul, and connecting and become a part of their world, of their beautiful mandala of energy connection, and feel what it feels like to be deeply connected. I mean, can you imagine to never being feeling disconnected? 
we humans, there's, we feel disconnected more often than we feel connected to someone. Even if we have a family and a, a partner in life or children, parents, we often feel disconnected. We often feel alone. Many of us feel lonely. And imagine never, ever feeling lonely, never, ever feeling disconnected like the starburst dolphins. Pretty incredible. And it's all possible. And I thank the rough tooth, aka starburst dolphins for sharing this beautiful wisdom with us and continuing this theme of connection that we humans so sorely need in our world. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dolphin and Whale Tales, Wisdom from the Deep, Wisdom from the Rough Tooth, or the Starburst Dolphins today. This episode of Dolphin and Whale Tales is brought to you by Dolphin Energy Healing, a deeply respectful, highly advanced form of spiritual energy healing. Receive the powerful healing energy of the dolphins right in your own home. Open up to receive from the dolphins at dolphinhealing.net. So I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. And until then, many dolphin and whale blessings to you, especially Starburst Dolphins blessings. Thank you for diving deep into the wisdom of the dolphins and whales with us. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Get more information at whaletalespodcast.com. <laughs>